enterprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the focal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better. While balancing running with the rest of our lives. And big shout out to one of my mastering 40 partners, Tracksmith. Tracksmith is, in my opinion, the best attire running brand out there. They are just so good. It's a Boston-based company. Uh, if you know anything about them, you probably already know that. They just do so much great work in the Boston area and all around the country. They are just committed to real-world amateur athletes, the kind that are going for you know the sub-40 like me, the OTQers are anybody who is working hard to be at their best. Tracksmith designs all their products for the needs to committed runners so that you only use the best materials with sweat-wicking, stink-free merino wool for the training tops and unique Italian blends for their performance shorts and a variety of other things, too, for some of the outdoor gear they're coming up with. I swear to gosh, every week they're coming out with new gear for the winter, which is making me quite jealous because every time I make a purchase, I go back a week later and there's some more great stuff on the website. And I think, hmm, should I bought that instead? I, I, anyway, my entire closet is getting filled with Tracksmith gear, which I'm not going to complain about because this stuff is legit. It is not only extremely comfortable, you can tell that it's going to last. And that's such an important feature for me. Now that the weather is turning and it's getting colder, I'm a huge fan of the session pants. They're a little thinner. They're not super tight. Like, you know, once the temperature dips to the 20s, I'll start wearing my tights. Um, but until then, the session pants are fantastic. I wore them in my 10K uh, last weekend and they were great. So it was about 30 degrees outside and it was early. So the sun really wasn't out yet and they were perfect. So I was running hard. And these pants, I did not even notice them. Didn't notice them the whole run. And when you're running, that's what you're looking for, right? If you notice the gear that you're running in, there's probably something wrong. And I never noticed my Tracksmith gear. It always fits me perfectly. And I couldn't love it any more than I already do. So here's the offer. All right, go to tracksmith.com today slash rambling runner, or just use code rambling runner at checkout. And you can save 15% on your first order over $75. You're going to want to spend a lot more than that. This stuff is legit. It's going to last you. So code rambling runner at checkout to save $15 off. I'm sorry, your first purchase. Uh, of $75 or more. So today's episode of Mastering 40, we get into it. We talk about a recent 10K that I did, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. It went really well for me. I'm really excited. Uh, later on that day, as you'll hear in both these conversations, um, my ankle started really hurting. So my right ankle, uh, the deltoid ligament, which is the ligament that goes straight down from the inside big round circular bone that you see in your ankle. If you put it to your ankle on the inside of your ankle, um, that's the bone that you'd be pointing at. The, the ligament that goes straight down right from the bottom of that bone is called the deltoid ligament. And that is something that I sprained. So I recorded my episode with James or my conversation with James shortly after I left the PT's office uh, a day later. Uh, and then my conversation with Adrian was a day after that. So as you'll hear in this conversation, um, how I felt uh, going to the PT's office and then with the 24 hours uh, subsequent to that was not great. I really couldn't even walk, basically. Like I was – I didn't use crutches around, uh, but I should have. Um, it was just hard, you know, to be your – 
working with kids and the dogs and you're doing household chores. You really can't be moving around with crutches. You got, you're using your hands all the time. So I was just really, really hobbling around and I was extremely worried. Uh, that this was going to be a lasting thing. Uh, I've hurt my ankles so many times in my life, broken them, sprained them, uh, had reconstructive ankle surgery all on this one ankle. Uh, in fact, I needed a reconstructive ankle surgery on the other one too. Um, this is also the same ankle that I hurt last year this time. So I was worried. And as you'll hear in the conversation, it comes through loud and clear. With that said, in the last 12 hours, so I'm recording this at 8 p.m. on Thursday night, right before I talk to Alicia Omumi, who in this episode is going to come out a week from now. Um, she just had ran a fantastic marathon. I can't wait to talk to her. Um, but I'm recording this Thursday night. In the last 18 to 24 hours, my ankle has had this like miraculous <laughs> return to health. It's not anywhere close to being 100%, but I've never had an injury start to heal so quickly. Um, so some of what comes through in the next conversation, in the next two conversations, is definitely re uh, relevant to the Mastering 40 journey. However, the initial prognosis of potentially not running for four to eight weeks, James immediately like poo-poos the idea of it going anywhere near the eight-week mark. Uh, and now that's very obvious now, considering what's happened in the last day or so. Um, still walking with a limp. Still can't put all of my weight on it. Um, I can't really push off with my toes uh, right now. So I'm just kind of like walked, walking like peg-leg style. Uh, but it's getting a lot better, and it's getting a lot better quickly. And I couldn't be happier about that. So that's a preface to what you're going to hear just to kind of set the stage and also let you know that, you know, when the next episode comes out in three weeks, I should be either have just started running again uh, or on the cusp of doing so, which is certainly much better than what I thought would happen when this initial injury happened. So thank you so much for that little preamble. My man, Peter Bromka said I should do this every now and then to kind of set the stage and have my own little monologue um, for this for this project. So, Peter, if you're listening, thanks for that. Uh, all right. So let's get into it with James and Adrian. James, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I just had some uh, cashew curry soup and a ham and cheese sandwich. I'm pretty happy. Oh, living the high life. I know. Well, the soup was homemade. Uh, Heather made it, made it. It was a recommendation from uh, Megan Featherston, uh, our resident, one of our resident uh, nutritionists, and uh, it's, actually, it's actually quite good. Um, but I just finished off the last bowl, so I think Heather might actually be she she might be upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> More to come on the McCurdy front. Um, yeah. that's funny. Um, well, that's great, man. Well, I'm excited to chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got a lot to go over. We do. We do. So um, I'm not quite sure where to start. And here's my dog. My dog's shaking around right now. I'm, uh, I just I just came home from a two-hour PT appointment. So my dogs are a little antsy, um, which so now all of a sudden they're going to be part of the episode because they're getting they're, they're feeling it right now. Um, so I guess uh, let's just go chronologically backwards. All right. Um, since, I did, since I just mentioned going to the PT. Um, so – I had I got an injury. Um, we had the 10K on Sunday. I was really excited about it. We'll talk about how it went uh, for sure. Uh, but I just finished up with the PT appointment. Uh, we haven't talked since then. I didn't talk to you on the way home. Um, basically, what happened is is that, and I have no idea. First of all, I have no idea how or when this happened. But I have a, a deltoid inversion 
So deltoid is a ligament on the medial side, so the inside of my right ankle, which is the ankle I had problems with last year. Um, this is unrelated to that, but, um, so it's a, the ligament kind of at the bottom of like the big circular bone, which, which if you look at, you point towards the inside of your ankle, that's the bone that you point at the big kind of mound, the circular round that comes out of your ankle. So the bottom of that, that's where the medial, um, sorry, the deltoid ligament, uh, connects to it. Um, it's a significant sprain, um, he also gave me um, a ticket to go get an x-ray because he's worried that there's actually a chance it might be an evulsion, which is when the ligament detaches from the bone because um, I'm in such significant pain uh, and really just can't put any weight on it at all. Um, so best case scenario, <laughs> gosh, darn it. Best case scenario, no running four to eight weeks. Um, and then we'll see what happens with the x-ray. Yeah. So, so here, here's my initial thought. Um, the deltoid ligament, I mean, that area, that's really, really rigid. Uh, it takes a lot to truly destroy it. <laughs> I mean, you have to step in a really bad way. Um, and it's really, really strong. And to, to have an avulsion fracture there, um, where the, where the ligament would pull away part of the bone, with you not even remembering taking a bad step, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense. Of course, I want you to get an x-ray. Of course, I want you to make sure that you're okay. Um, but you don't even remember taking a bad step. You just And you, you ran the 10K great on Sunday. It felt fine throughout the rest of the day. And then all of a sudden, it started hurting you. To me, that doesn't play too much of a role of, yeah, this is an acute injury, because you don't even remember taking anything, like any any bad step. There was no sharpness. And generally, when you have something like that happen, there's a specific sharpness to it, uh, generally. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I've had some injuries in my past, and I've had plenty of athletes with issues in the past as well. Um, that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Um, so if that's true, if what I'm saying just made sense, and if that happens to be the case – but then you have a strain and it's still going to take a little bit of time because there's not a lot of blood flow to this area. Um, and it, it's just going to take some time to heal. Will it take an entire two months? Maybe, maybe not. Will it take three or four weeks? Hopefully. Uh, I know when I had mine, because this did happen to me, I rolled my ankle inward on a trail. So it didn't roll away from me. It rolled inside. So that that's the, in, you know, the deltoids on the inside. And it hurt for about six weeks or so, but it was a very specific acute issue. Uh, and I kept running on top of it because um, I didn't, and I was pacing a friend of mine to a marathon. Um, and I, so I kept running for about uh, 17 miles on top of this thing. Um, and I was back running six weeks later. Yeah. So like, so this is, this is like, I, you know, I'm trying to think like I'm, I've been racking my brain for the past three days. Like, did I step on something during the run while I was doing yard work after the 10 K or like just around my house, like stepping on like a dog toy or a kid's toy or something like, and I'm sure that I, I mean, I obviously did. Right. Like I didn't, I wouldn't have this injury if I didn't, but well, um, the whole thing is such a mystery. True. That's not necessarily true. And here, here's another possibility that I think does have logic to it. If you have, um, 
a limitation in mobility or range of motion or whatever in that area of your body. And all of a sudden, you do something a little bit harder uh, or you exacerbate it and it and it, you have a little bit more exposure to that limited range of motion or limited uh, ability um, over a period of time, at some point, that compensation is going to be exposed and something happens, right? Now, I haven't shared this about my own personal journey the past two and a half months um, because I've been honestly, kind of focusing on a, a lot of other things uh, in terms of at the athlete world and the chaos that we're all living in. But I have this issue uh, of, of an ankle mobility and Achilles tightness on my left foot that I don't have on my right foot. If you were to compare the two, um, about a year and a half, two, three years ago, my left side, probably even longer than that, probably my entire life, I've always had a little bit of tightness on my left side comparative to my right. Probably about 30% less mobility on my left comparative to my right. right. If you were to do the toe to the wall test, I can move my right foot about four or five inches away from the wall. And I used to be able to move my left foot around three to three and a half inches away from the wall before my knee could uh, stop touching the wall and my my heel would have to come up. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all of that being said, uh, August 29th was my last serious long run. I ran 13 miles out in LA with John. I ran about 6.15 per mile. I felt great, but I finished the run and I just felt something in the, in the top of my forefoot. Like, oh, son of a gun, what's going on now? Like, what is happening? And I get an X-ray right away, and there was no uh, there was no break. I get an MRI to make sure there was no stress fracture, but the MRI did come back with a stress reaction. Okay, so what's happening? Why do I have a stress reaction there? So I see a podiatrist, and the podiatrist, if there's any podiatrist on the uh, listening to this podcast, I apologize, but I I've, I've yet to meet a podiatrist that doesn't recommend that the the patient. Uh, 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 Buys uh, orthotics. Every single podiatrist I've ever spoke with has always said, "Oh, you should think about orthotics." And I just don't believe it. <laughs> it's it's lunacy to me. I've only met one person in my life that actually needs orthotics. I'm sure there are many that do, but it's not no not every athlete needs orthotics. And I'm talking to this this doctor. I'm like, listen, this is not an, a a common issue for me. The orthotic is not going to prevent my forefoot from hurting. We have to figure out what's going on. So I saw a different doctor, and it was very clear what was happening. That difference of mobility went from 30% to about 10%. So I was only able to move my toe back about an inch from the wall before my heel would come up off the ground, before my knee could touch the wall. Right? I lost somewhere along the way without being in pain without having any soreness in my calves, without having any ankle issues, somewhere along the way over the past few years, I was losing little by little mobility and flexibility, and I didn't know. And I would do my foam rolling, and I would do my stretching, but it still happened. So we, I worked like crazy for the last 10 weeks with, uh, with some of the guys here in Flagstaff to work and develop to get that mobility and flexibility back to loosen up the tension in there. And I'm finally running again. I actually have almost 100% mobility comparative to where I used to be. And I'll show you those pictures when we get off this call. It's pretty remarkable 
how much uh, I have been able to gain off of doing some therapeutic stuff. And I didn't know that I was having this issue for years. I didn't know. So that is why I bring it up now for you, because I think that's important. There might be an imbalance or a flexibility issue or something that we're not aware of that all of a sudden is starting to, to compound itself. You had the ankle issues before, you had a different ankle issue, you've had other issues. Maybe there's an underlying imbalance uh, or, or lack of mobility or range of motion. Maybe there's something else going on that's because of these other symptoms from happening. And that's something I think we should look into. Yeah. Uh, the one, the other thing that was different, um, and that's great. That's a really good um, anecdote. And I can see how it could pertain to me, certainly. Um, is that this is the first time we've ever done um, a race or really hard effort like that um, for that amount of time, certainly in a plated shoe. So it was the Endorphin Speed by Saucony, which has a nylon plate in it, which I know is not quite as rigid or uh, as a carbon plate. But um, I don't know if that plays a part or not. But I know I, I know there was, that, that, is, that was a difference um, uh, potentially. So again, I'm, I'm not sure if that's relevant. I don't think so. And here's why. Um, and I could be wrong. And I'm open to being wrong. But it, you didn't run 10 or uh, 50 minutes all out the entire time. You were really cautious early on. You you ran the back half of this just a little bit faster than you ran your 5k. So it was really only 23 minutes of exposure of hard work. And you felt good for most of it. So I I'm inclined to think that it's not a shoe issue. The shoe's mm -hmm. often not the problem. It's what's in the shoe that is probably the problem uh, in terms of mobility, flexibility, or range of motion, if there's going to be a problem. The shoe isn't the issue. It's something else has got to be the issue, and that exposure to it is probably more, more than likely the issue versus a shoe being, well, that's, I, my foot doesn't work with that shoe. I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. It, it, you've, you've, you've worn that same millimeter drop before. You've been wearing the shoe for speed work for a little bit of time. Um, you've had other shoes as well that were lighter or a little bit more firm, and you didn't have that issue. I, I, I wouldn't lend, I wouldn't lend uh, this issue to be stemming from the shoe. Okay, so let's talk about the five k before we get into what yeah. what comes next. I mean the ten k. I yeah. called the five k because it really was that. So I know, right? Um, you told me beforehand. All right, make sure you don't go out any faster than eight fifteen pace. Which I was like, kind of laughing to myself. I was like, that's like telling me not to drive faster than two hundred miles an hour on on a, on a highway. I'm like, that ain't gonna happen. That's, I can't. That's I don't a, think I can even do that. But but that that's not the case for you though. Your history has often been. You go off like a freaking rocket. I know, I know, I know. And, and, and so, so, but for me, it was funny because I was like, I don't even think I could hold that. So never mind, like not doing it. I'm like, I don't even think I could do it at all. So I, I saw that. I was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. But but the point was clear. Like, be conservative. So um, I definitely had that in mind, um, and I was able to do that. So I went out, basically averaged eight forty five pace or so for the for the five k, which was um, an out and back. Um, slight uphill, you know, yep. hundred feet or so, um, a majority of it for the last mile of that 3.1 out and then coming back another 3.1. Um, and it was funny. Like I was, I was doing that again, 845 pace, which I've, I've held at the end of long runs, like by mistake. And, um, 
I was nervous when I was doing it. I'm like, I don't feel right. I don't feel right. I don't feel right. And then turned around and sped up a little bit. And I was going downhill a little bit, which was nice. And then really tried to kick it in gear. So finished um, in 2330 with miles of 806. And then what was it? Like 745 and then like 725, um, which was nice. And it was it was really fun to open up. Um, you know, the last half mile wasn't fun, but, but the, the other two and a half uh, of that, of that five, that 5k coming back was fun. You're getting near that 5k intensity, maybe not exactly 5k intensity, but you're getting near it, right? It wasn't the, the mission of this. I think to talk about this, we should talk about the first one. And we've, I know we've already touched upon on that, uh, that effort in a, in a, a previous podcast, but you know, that first one, you, you you DNF'd, you went a, a bit too aggressive early, um, and it just wasn't the right day for you to have the effort. And I, and I was actually pretty happy that you stopped because you just weren't there that day. Uh, and the speed sessions leading into this into this effort were, were, have been quite remarkable. You, you've you've done some of the best work in this entire block in the last three weeks, uh, which has been great. It's been so much fun to see. Uh, you're just coming off of a really successful 5K at 23.47. Where you're doing some good quality speed work. And so I had every confidence that if you gave yourself an opportunity, you'd, you'd finish the way you wanted to finish. Um, and I didn't give you a, 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 a pace concept uh, towards the, the back half. I just wanted to focus on the first 3.1 miles going forward. So yeah, maybe maybe you were a little quote-unquote slower in the front half, but you were also running uphill. Now it wasn't a mountain. It wasn't like you were running straight uphill, but you, there's still a, a little bit of effort in there and it's still going to zap you a little bit. So you were right to be a little bit nervous because your previous experience taught you that what happens if I go too fast. So it was okay that you were cautious, but all the work you've been doing, Matt, all the work you've been doing the past three weeks and the months leading into this, the, this effort, allowed for some really good success on the back half of this run. You've worked on endurance. You've worked on power. You've worked on speed. You've worked on battling some demons. You've worked on race plan execution. And, you know, prior to this season, you've never executed a race plan. Uh, and, and, and so far this season, you've done it a few times. This is, the, in my mind, this has been some of the best training you've ever done in terms of recognizing where you are and going after the intent of uh, of the day uh, whether it be a workout or a race or a race concept and it's been it's been awesome yeah it's really been enjoyable on my end too like i ha- i haven't i haven't had that experience um especially the last two efforts um of feeling like all right like ending it with a lot of regret uh, i definitely felt that way after that 10k which did not go well um you know you, we, we talked about that at length on the show but that even even this one, like I didn't even regret going out as conservative as I did in the first part because I felt like no matter what, I I finished the race, like I was emptied. There was no more energy left. So no matter how I paced myself, I finished with zero left, which was um, for me is always kind of like that's like the first goal of not of making sure that, that there's that I've expelled every ounce of energy that I had. And I, you know, worked past any, you know, that, that, that internal monologue we all have of like, ah, you know, don't, you know, did, did you sure you want to push that a little bit? You sure you want to push that a little bit? You know, coming down the stretch. Uh, and I was glad I was able to do that. We've talked about this in the past years ago, 
uh, about running scared. When people run scared, they often run stupid fast too soon, <laughs> right? And and when when people run with confidence, they're okay with pulling back. It's okay to be cautious, but I don't think that's running scared. Most often is the case when someone runs scared, they just bolt off the line because well, I I better run as I better get ahead of this this pace as fast as possible because I'm not going to have anything at the end, right? You know, you, we see it all the time, whether it be a mile in a high school or whether it be a professional in a marathon. If you run scared off and you run too fast too soon, you're starting to have the confidence in your ability that you will have the energy later on. You know, there's a reason why, and I think this is still true, aside from the woman's world record in the marathon, uh, which I don't believe is legitimate, um, that almost every single world record from the mile to the marathon has been set with a negative split. There's a reason why that happens. And you're starting to take that concept into your own training. And it's it's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point because I'd seen that before. And we had talked about that before offline. Uh, but it's funny that you bring it up not simply in terms of um, how to physically run your best on race day, but that it being almost like a uh, a harbinger of someone's mental and emotional status in that moment. Yeah, I think – I think for some people, um, if you don't have a good sense of where you really are, you can make choices that might, that most often will negatively impact how it doesn't mean anything about your fitness, but it, it could negative in, negatively impact your performance. You know, and you're, you're really coming around to the other end of that. You have a good recognition of where you are. You have a good understanding of what's happening. So therefore you're starting to make really good decisions to continue to see those performance gains, whether it be in a session, whether it be in consistency and easy running, uh, or whether it be in the, uh, the, the quote unquote race performance. All right. So let's talk about where I am now. <laughs> Cause it's a lot different than where I was when I finished that race. Um, well, no, 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 you're not, you're not any different. And, and you might be going through a little season of, of injury, uh, or, or tweak or whatever you want to call it. Maybe this will disappear as quickly as it came on because you don't even remember taking a funny step. And I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to some hope for that. But my plan of attack for you, uh, was initially to run a mile time trial on December 6th. Uh, that was my hope was that we can cap this immediate season with a really hard mile, have some fun and then take some downtime. We're just not going to be able to do that. So we're going to take our downtime now. My intent for you as an athlete wasn't to continue to build, 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 build. We've been doing some great work over this period of time, and now it's time to absorb some of that work, take some downtime, and then reset and rebuild, right? So that's what we're going to do now. It might be a little bit sooner than I planned, maybe just by a few weeks, but that's okay. And hopefully in two or three weeks, maybe we can start running again. Um, I initially didn't want you to take all this downtime of not running, I was hoping that it could just be easy running, but you've got a puppy at home. It's going to be family time with the holidays. I'm, I'm expecting that you're going to go for some walks and, and get on that foot so long as you're pain-free uh, after a few more days of, of, of relaxation. Uh, continue to see some PT for treatment, and then we're going to get back into the next block and build for the next block of training. Uh, I think where a lot of people can go wrong is they're continuously moving forward and they don't take downtime in their seasons. And this has been a fair amount of time for you from where we started to now. We haven't really had any downtime yet, have we? 
you know, from, from, from the start of this project to now, it's been constant. So I think this is a perfect time to take some downtime. Yeah. And we'll see, um, you know, with, with, uh, we'll see what happens over the next week and a half or so in terms of, um, the initial steps with the ankle and, and see what happens. So when I was talking to my PT today, um, Dennis Lanny, who's very, very well respected around here. Um, you know, he works with a lot of people. If, if people have heard me on the show, you've heard me talk about him in the past. He works with, you know, he, I can't divulge names, um, because, you know, he works with some, some top quality national class, world class athletes. No doubt about it. Some of the best runners in the country. That's for sure. So, um, I feel confident what he's saying. He told me basically, I was like, all right, so what's the, what's the prognosis here? What do you think? And he's like, I could never tell you that right now. This is your first day in here. This is two days after it happened. Um, let's have a couple sessions and then I'll be able to give you a very concrete timeline. So exactly what I think, um, but we'll see. So that's where I am now. And gosh, <sighs> I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Like, Hey, we were going to take time. We were going to, we were going to have some downtime anyway, and that definitely makes me feel better. Um, with that said, this has been the cycle right here. This has been the cycle over the last two years of some training, then an injury, some training, and then an injury, some training, and then an injury. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> here we go again. Like, and, and again, I know I'm being melodramatic. I mean, I'm really I'm literally I'm recording this after pulling in the driveway from the PT. So I'm still kind of absorbing the news and moving on from there. And again, I know how melodramatic that sounds, uh, but it, but it's, 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 it's this feeling of like, again, that I'm just in this groundhog day cycle at this point. Well, I say, so I, here's where I'm going to disagree with that. Number one, you're not being melodramatic because th- you've been working hard for this. I don't care if you're a professional runner or brand new, this is something you care about. Um, and, the fact that you're perturbed by it and upset by it means a great deal. It means that it matters to you still continuously. So that's good. But we can use this time to investigate some things that might be going on. Let's, let's take a look at some of the mobility and flexibility that you have in other areas that might be causing some ankle issues. Let's take this time. Let's talk to the PT. Um, I would love to get in on a, on a, on a email exchange. Um, and, and see if we can investigate that side of things, at least take a look at it and not just treat the issue, but let's look outside of the issue about other areas on your body um, that might be causing some of the, some of these weaknesses and imbalances. Um, and let, let's, let's try to attack those. Um, I had to do the same thing. Uh, and I've been doing this most of my life. Uh, I don't care who you are. Some professional runners still have to go through these processes. Uh, I mean, gosh, look at Emily Infeld. I mean, she she barely gets through a season uh, unscathed through some sort of uh, of 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 injury issue. Uh, she's going through the same experiences as you. She's just relying on this for her income, <laughs> you know. But she's still able to come out and, and fight and and work through it and find a way. Um, you're you're in the same position that all of us are in, myself included. Uh, it, it's not Groundhog's Day if we can figure out what's causing it. So let's let's try to be proactive in that. Um, it sucks emotionally in the moment because you literally just pulled into your house, but let's be aggressive with it. Yeah, we're going to take some downtime, but let's use this downtime to be aggressive with what with figuring out what's going on. Yeah, and that's a fair point. And it, it, right now, I'm kicking myself for all the times I was inconsistent, but not for injury reasons. <laughs> 
<laughs> I should have really been more consistent in those years when I didn't have injuries because if I had known that I'd have injuries later, I, I definitely would have tried to take advantage of it. Right. But so let's, let's work through that. Let's analyze that for a moment. Let's take this time to, to work on continued uh, weight loss that, that you've been striving for. You're, you're, you're down a little bit because you're making better choices there. Um, let's take this time to work on some sleep and nutri- uh, hydration concepts and continuously develop those concepts there. Uh, let's not let you throw yourself into a thousand new projects. Just because one is derailed, let's let's just make sure that you don't overextend yourself over these next few weeks because running is coming back. You're not you're not going to be without it for for forever. It's coming back. It's probably going to come back sooner, hopefully sooner than than not. So let's make sure that you, we keep you contained inside of that and be prepared to be able to take the next steps with your running. All right, deal. All right, I'll keep you updated um, as we progress. And after the x-ray and next week's session, I think it's next Tuesday. um, And we'll take it from there. All right, man. Hey, folks, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know my love and affection for Prevenex. It's my favorite supplement brand. I always take their multivitamin. I always take their Joint Health Plus, and I live and die by that. But with that said, the other thing that I have every single day is the Prevenex Neurofy Shake. I just love it. I mean, I literally, this is my um, my schedule every morning. I wake up with the kids. I do all their stuff. I get them ready for school. And at 7.30, I have my shake. All right? Drop off the kids around 8.30 at school. And then I just literally drive from the school. And then I go for my run. And it works out perfectly. I have that shake about an hour before my run. And it's perfection. I get all the nutrients I need. It tastes great. I'm full, but I'm not too full. You know what I mean? The run still goes really, really well, and it's just perfection. I love it. So I'm telling you, if you want to have the breakfast that not only fuels you, gives you a ton of nutrients, tastes good, and is incredibly quick and easy to make, you cannot go wrong with Neurofy Plus. So go over to Prevenex.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And use code RUNNER15 at checkout to save 15% on your first order today. Today, more than ever, it's essential that we are making the right decisions to keep our bodies healthy, to help us be resilient, to live better, or simply take on whatever the day may bring. But we are overloaded with nutrition information, leaving us with so many questions and even fewer answers. Does this work? Can I trust it? What will this work for my training goals? How do we know what will work for our unique body's needs unless, you know, someone can help us out with that? And for those truth seekers, the change makers, and the goal setters, the answers are inside you. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your body and DNA biomarkers along with your lifestyle habits to help you optimize your body and reach your goals. Inside Tracker's patented system will transform your body's data into knowledge, insights, and a customized action plan of science based recommendations. Are you ready to take control of your health and wellness journey? Unlock your potential today with Inside Tracker. Go to info.insidetracker.com slash early access to be the first to hear about Inside Tracker's best deal of the year. So that link is going to be in our show notes. That's info.insidetracker.com forward slash early access to get the up-to-date best information and early access to this company that I have trusted for years with my health. Hello, Matt. How are things? 
Was that on purpose, starting with the bell? That was, or was that just fortuitous? No, that was actually a text message from you saying you're online. I sent that text message two minutes ago. Yes. Uh, wow, that's funny. It's called T-Mobile. I don't know who you're <laughs> in, but uh, there's a delay and it will usually ping me twice. So yeah, this is me talking to you, talking to you. This is going to be great. Well, I like it. I think we need, we need to put that in again. You know what I mean? It's very like... It's very, very centering. Yeah, it's like yoga. Like, ding, here we start. Here we go. Uh, it worked out well. Yeah, I'll actually start with a silly story. Is I won't say her name uh, for the podcast and to protect her identity. But I once worked with a young lady. She she was my intern for a couple summers. And she had this awful yet hilarious idea for how to close sessions. She was just like, Adrian, what if I bang a gong after each session. And I'm like, um, I think that's a terrible idea, but creative. <laughs> so for some reason that brought that, that story up totally useless and irrelevant to our conversation, but my brain just made weird connections. I love it. Cause that's like straight up. It's like right out of my alley. Like it's, you know, I'm like the king of like non sequitur stories in my house to the point where like, I have to constantly check myself. Like, Hold on. <laughs> My wife is insanely busy right now. Is it, do I really need to be saying this to her? Yeah. Like, normally the answer is, is no. So I thank thank you for for doing that because now like we we can revel in the idea of of, uh, of doing it at the same time. Nice, 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 nice. So yeah, let's check in a bit. Um, last I heard, we had a successful 10k effort recently. So fill in the gaps for me. Yeah, that went really well. So uh, two episodes ago, we talked about the the DNF uh, with the 10K, which um, we dive, we, we talked a lot about. And you know, I just had a conversation with James where we talked a little bit about it. Um, so I did this one, you know, with with a lot taking taking some some cues from what we did in the past, and just also learning on my own. Where I wanted to do the same route. Um, I picked that route initially because it's an out and back on the bike path because like, all right, like it's measurable. There are, there are literal mile, there are literal half mile markers on the, on the route. It's fairly flat, not completely, but you know what I mean? It's, it's consistent. It's not like any huge hills or undulations. Uh, so it's kind of like a steady incline then a steady decline on the way back. Um, and frankly, I just wanted to do that route again so that, I could kind of get over what happened last time. Not that it was like some sort of traumatic event, but like it's, it's stunk. It's stunk having to like call it. So I was like, all right, I want to do it here just to like put an end to that, that feeling. So um, James was like, all right, let's go out conservative. Make sure you're not going any faster than eight fifteen pace. And I, in my head, I was like, I'm not going anywhere near that pace. Um, so that's totally fine. So I went out really conservative. Um, uh, but it's funny because when I was doing it, it didn't feel conservative. I think I just was so jittery. Um, so I went out around like 845 pace, which to put that in perspective, like there's plenty of easy runs I've done where I've like kind of meandered towards that pace plenty of times and been like, oh hey, slow down a little bit here. Um but I think it's just like in the moment or maybe it was sustaining it. I don't know. But like I was I was worried. In the first half, I was like, I don't know how much faster I'm going to be able to go. Um, but the second half was a completely different story. So once I started running fast, it just felt it almost felt easier to run fast. I mean, I, certainly I was breathing harder and my legs were, you know, 
were working harder, but just generally from like a whole body feeling, it felt like I, it took less work to hold that faster pace. Um, and it felt great. So I, you know, for two and a half, I just say it felt great. It, <laughs> you know, two and a half miles of that second 5k where I was pushing it, it felt graceful. It, it really felt nice. Um, the last half mile, um, was hard, which, you know, is the point it is a race, um, so to speak. So ended up, uh, closing in 2330, which is a little faster than I ran the 5k three weeks prior. Fabulous. So I was really happy. I was really happy with how it worked out ultimately. Yeah, it just sounds like you ran with your brain and not your emotions, and you got rewarded for it. I agree with that. And it, I've really been thinking about the mental cues or things to focus on that you gave me prior to the 5K of like focused and then relax. And then I forget the word you use, but basically like give it all you have and kind of like in the three segments. Not that those segments have to be equally equal distance yeah, to each relax, other. Relax, um, and focus, heart. Yeah, heart. That was it. Yeah. So for me, definitely the focus was in the beginning, was making sure that I knew what I was doing and not doing anything crazy. So basically focus for like that that three mile stretch, even maybe four miles, even, even the first mile of going faster, I was still pretty focused about like not going too hard. And then I kind of had like a mile and a half of relaxed effort. And then like another, you know, then kind of a 0.7 of like really, really, you know, digging in and pushing it um or you know kind of or i should say maintaining the pace that i was doing so um that worked really well in fact i've used that framework for some of the athletes i coach and they've and it's worked well for them too they really liked it so i i I think it's it's a nice way of of framing it and i think making sure that i'm not viewing it like all right three equal parts like for the 5k it was easy it was like one mile one mile one mile this time it felt nice to like all right this is really like a four mile focus segment as opposed to like making it just like, again, making it to three equal parts. Yeah. And sometimes we get so, you know, kind of lost in doing the math instead of just like, okay, what tool, what coping strategy, you know, what actually is a useful cue instead of, oh, it's mile two. I got focused right now. What if I, what, but what if you don't, you know, what if your brain and your body aren't, aren't synced up yet, then you probably want to stay on the wavelength of what was working for you. So yeah, very customizable, but still great principles because there's going to be moments in, in races or workouts where we're probably going to need all three. Yeah. it's a good point. Yeah. So that worked really well. I was very happy with how, how it ended. It felt like a great, um, again, it, it wasn't like a race per se of like, all right, let's kind of maximize your fitness today. Um, but what, I was able to do was a couple of things. I was able to kind of um, execute the, execute the plan, which has been a path, which has been hard for me in the past. I was able to do that. Um, and the other big thing for me is I was able to finish with nothing left in the tank. Like I had no regrets over feeling like, Oh, if I had like pushed it more, push it harder here, or if I hadn't given in to some sort of like internal rationalization during the last stretch, uh, I could have done this other thing. Um, you know, uh, certainly like could have I run faster on the day? I'm sure I could have if I maybe even 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 more even paced, but that wasn't the plan, so I'm not worried about that. Um, I was happy that when I finished. You know, I felt awful <laughs> because I had I had given it all I had. And, you know, in turn, 
that awful feeling led to some very positive feelings because I know that um, that was kind of the point of the day. Oh, you get your your breath back and your blood pressure drops. You're on cloud nine because you, your head is full of endorphins. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, I was able, luckily I didn't have too big of a breakfast because I feel like that baby would have come flying out. I was like, <laughs> like I was like, oh, oh, oh boy, <laughs> this was really, um, you know, th- yeah. Again, thankfully it was a light breakfast because I, I, def- I definitely would have uked it. But uh, Matt, if you puke, get you know, finish and keep going. <laughs> Why does that? <laughs> Honestly, and, you know, it, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah, I know. You hear about all these triathletes who like are on the bike in the middle of an Ironman, just like leaning over, puking, and then just you know continuing to ride as if like it was the same. Basically, it, it, it had like the same effect on them as if they just like tossed like the goo wrapper on the ground. Like it has, it has like the same effect on like their their perception of how they should you know continue to proceed. Yeah, and that, yeah, I think that's one thing that I will credit uh, long distance triathletes on is I kind of bag on them a little bit, but uh, they, the way they see adversity is a lot of times very neutral. It's like, okay, this is what I signed up for. This is, this is part of the game. So I'm going to puke and rally and okay, what's the next thing I need to do? Probably need to hydrate and let's see if I can get my heart rate under control or so on and so forth. So that's something that these athletes seem to be very good at. Yeah, that reminds me. Like, I was thinking about some of those athletes today. I mean, when you mentioned that, I was thinking of some of those athletes who, like, the morning of, and I've seen this in person, and I've also read about it. Like, you know, they're they're in tears before the race because they know they're basically walking into a suffer fest. And that morning, I had again a much you know basically the JV version of that feeling um, of like this is really going to hurt, and I'm not really. I'm not too excited about it. I was nervous about it and I'm doing my warm up and like I was all over the place. And um and it was fun. Now I'm trying to remember the exact things that were going through my mind. I definitely had like the, the three little mantras you gave me were, were bouncing around. Um and then it was also like um trying to figure out like how I was going to like, you know, not be completely in my head about the pain part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like trying to think of like all right, like the whole like you get to do this feeling. Um Oh yes, yeah, I, I, I was I was kicking that around a little bit. Um, also, like the idea of basically trying to treat the first five k as if it was instead of thinking about it in terms of p- speed or effort level, think like, all right, this is just this is just an extended warm up, and like. It wasn't really an extended warm up. I was kind of like lying to myself there, but I was like, no, this is what this is. This is just an extended warm up. This is just an extended warm up. You're, you know, like you've run this pace plenty of times by accident. Like it's just an extended warm up. And you're, you're pulling yourself out of the fear threat state and into the challenge state, which you're ready to go if you're in that in that frame of mind. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny because it was. Um, I don't. I think it's different for these virtual races when you have that or time trials, because like oftentimes in that situation where I'm approaching a starting line, I'm very outward focused. Like I'm, I have a race plan and I'm cognizant of it and I'm focused on it, but I'm also looking around like, oh, I know these people. Oh, this person. I don't know that person, but they're near the people that I know. I wonder if they're the same pace. It gives you a little bit of a psychological boost. 
Yeah. Yeah. So you have that. So like this was kind of a different thing where like it was so internalized because I was just the only one there that it was it was a, it was a kind of a new sensation. Not new because I've, I've had these virtual races and time trials before, but um, not so not so many where I've kind of dialed it in in terms of having that pre-race routine of settling the nerves and the anxiety around potential suffering. Cause even for like the mile, like the, like the, the mile series, um, at the end of the spring, the McCurdy, the McCurdy mile series, that was fine because it was like, it's, a, I'm only going to be doing this for six minutes. You know what I mean? Like the suffering was going to be so acute that it wasn't going to be, um, this extended period of time. So it didn't really come to me. And the 5K was like, I know I'm going out so conservative that this isn't even a race, really. Whereas today, I was like, I'm going to race the second half of this. And it was like definitely wearing, weighing on me. So it was probably, you know, notice how you performed better. It was just framed differently to where, you know, you put yourself in a place where you're just like, okay, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, this this is possible, and you know, of course, it's not going to be easy. But if we just kind of embrace that, okay, this thing isn't going to be easy, but I've practiced it, then we have a shot at running really well. And you know, this is what you did. Yeah, so that was nice, and it felt like all right, things are, are coming along. Um, and it was just I was able to even after the fact. I'm like, I definitely compared like, all right, how did I run? in the spring in my virtual 10 K and it was similar, similar times. I think the, the one in the spring was a little faster, but overall all things being considered with the race plan and everything, I'd say my, my fitness level is probably almost exactly the same um, in retrospect. So I think I ran my 10 K in the spring at seven fifty nine pace, but like, I know that it was like, again, I, it, it was, um, it was all out almost the whole time. So from a pacing perspective, it was probably pretty close to what I did this time. So um, I would argue this was a better executed race. So I wasn't there, but, and this is something as you continue, you know, along this process and get faster is we probably don't want to change this approach too much is, you know, kind of simplifying it, associating where you need to. And, uh, you know, just kind of looking at, okay, how do I want to run this thing instead of, oh my God, this is going to be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. It was a nice, it was a nice spot to be for sure. And then after the fact, at some, at some point on Sunday, it was either during the race or later in the day. I, I honestly, I'm racking my brain. I don't know. At some point I'm, I must've stepped on something or done something or James thinks it might just be like some sort of imbalance that caused it. But I sprained the deltoid ligament on the inside or the medial side of my ankle, um, which is the one that comes right straight down from like the circular bone. If you like point to your ankle bone on the inside, you'd be pointing to that circular bone, the one that goes straight down from that. So that's a very strong ligament. It's really hard to sprain it. Somehow I did. I have no recollection of doing it. Um, But like I can barely walk on it right now. So I saw my PT yesterday. He wants me to actually get an x-ray for it just to make sure that it's not an avulsion, um, which is ligament uh, detaches from the bone. Um, but like, I'm barely walking. Like, I, I should be in a boot right now. I really need to like go buy one. Um, and it's a bummer, man. <laughs> like, part of what's made this late summer 
fall and now early winter really nice is been the consistency right uh because of the health which was the issue the whole time yeah uh or like the preceding 18 months was like man i just couldn't stay healthy and that was causing me um you know to have this this period of time where i i you know things didn't go right and here i am again right so it's too early to have a definitive prognosis but um i'll probably get I'll probably get one in the next 10 days or so after i go back to pt a couple of times and i can give this ankle some time to relax but you know he's like listen it's, it's probably going to be 4 to 8 weeks before you run again and um so hearing that can't, can't, say I'm, can't say I'm too excited about it adrian yeah yeah hearing that you know where where did you go inside oh man I was like immediately into like, um, what's the, what's the word? Like, nah, shoot. It's like not, it's not self-loathing. It's like, um, it's when you just feel sad for yourself. Um, but yeah, I was just like, immediately was like, oh my gosh, like here it is again. I can't believe it. Like I, I just, I was just, I was just so frustrated and angry and sad and, I was just so negative. I was, just, I was like, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Like in part because like, I don't even know how it happened. Right. Um, and, you know, like if you fell off a curb or fell or something like that, it's a different story, but it, it's, it's like you woke up with it. Well, that's the thing is that like, I don't, in, in retrospect, would that really make a difference? Probably not. I'll probably still be sad. Um, but I was like, just so, so bummed. And it was funny. Like, you know, I get again the car, but then I'm also like, then I'm also angry at myself. Like, this is not the end of the world. Like, literally, like your people you love just came down with COVID today, and like this is what this is what's making you sad. Like, um, you know, then I had a friend call me like ten seconds after I get all texted me, then I called her immediately back. Ten seconds after I get out of the appointment, and like she's going to be doing like a fundraiser to help a friend who like has degenerative spinal issues, needs like eight different surgeries. And her husband just got laid off and now there goes their light, their health insurance. Oh man. And here I am like wallowing in, you know, self-pity. That's the phrase I was like, so here I am filled with self-pity and I'm like looking around, like have some, like have some perspective here. (laughs) Like my God. Um, But you know, it doesn't necessarily do the trick in the moment, nor right. has it right now, frankly. Well, um, perspective takes some time, especially when we're hurt and when we're, we get hurt and we don't have an immediate way to trace it back. It's confusing. It's frustrating. And especially if we're coming off uh, a success is, you know, it, it I, I bet you anybody would go down that path. So the biggest thing is like you could, you want to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and acknowledge it because uh, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole, you know, say, you know, God forbid you get hurt again after this. And, oh, well, this happened, that happened. So-and-so lost their job. All fact. But, you know, it's really hard when we're trying not to feel certain ways. So anyway, we kind of have to allow ourselves a little bit of a more of a grieving period. And then what we want to do is, you know, I would propose is let's kind of refocus on, you know, this is this series is all about mastery, right? So mastering recovery. Yeah, no, that that, that makes sub goal. 
That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I mean, I, I hadn't thought about it in those terms, but you, you make a good point. Right. So it's just like it, we're, we're kind of climbing. This is kind of a longer term project. We're climbing a mountain and it started raining. So we might have to make camp and work with what we have right now and the resources uh, available and storm clears up. You can keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely the thing. And then I also have here's the problem with these injuries on a different level is like it doesn't necessarily absolve me from like the things I need to do as a parent and husband. So like here I am like hobbling around the house. My wife is incredibly busy with school stuff. Like it's it if if you know someone who's a teacher like god help them. Like it's it's insane to witness firsthand. I can't wrap my head around it. It's every, honestly every single night it's like I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like it's, you know, every night, like she gets thrown a curveball and it's, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. So I'm sitting here like, I need to still hold up my end of the bargain here. Right. With like the kids and the house and all this. I'm like hobbling around. Yeah. <laughs> I can't just sit up with my foot up. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know, mastering recovery. It's like, that's true, but I'm not living in a silo here. Like I can't just sit here with my foot up and get better. And it's like, I'm hobbling around like taking the dog for like the slowest walk of all time, like, you know, doing the dishes, clearing the table, helping with, you know, putting the kids to bed. And I'm like, I'm like, I know I'm making it worse, you know? Yeah. And I don't want to be so self-indulgent where I'm like, Oh, hun, I know this is the literally the busiest month of your life, but can you, can you help out with it? You know, it's like, so I'm, I'm, I'm at that point now where, um, I'm balancing these, these couple, these things, which is, I know part of, part of what I'm doing this all together, right? Like, what is it like to, to try to strive for something when you have other things on your plate? Um, but that's kind of where I am, where it's like, I have this feeling of like, I'm, I'm getting pulled in two different directions of like, Hey, you should do the things from recovery perspective that you know are going to help you because not only is this running a hobby, but like, there's more to it than that. Like you, you, this is part of like your job is doing stuff within the running industry and stuff like that. And, and I'm all about it. And then the other part is like, yeah, but what's more important here? What are we actually talking about here? Um, so that's, that's something that's weighing on me as well. Okay. So let, let me unpack this for a second and make sure I'm hearing you correctly is for starters, we don't have a prognosis, correct? Uh, to a, to a point. Okay, so what you can and cannot do, it's articulated, but not completely, right? Because what one piece of information I would try to find out to kind of alleviate, you know, some of the noise in your head is, okay, what are some of the things that can make it worse? Because I think, you know, doctors are realists. I'm, you know, I like to think I'm a realist, <laughs> you know, on most days is what we want to do is find a way to kind of protect that the the injured area so that you know it, it almost sounds like it you would be well served from kind of just taking a pivot and kind of focus on being dad and because sometimes like yeah we may have a protocol to adhere to but as long as we know that what we're doing isn't detrimental or you know too much so is we can we can slide running back for a little bit and put family and all that kind of stuff 
first. And that's one of the, because I know I, after the initial grieving period, I know when I've been hurt in the past is I've gotten a lot of stuff done. Like my house is usually cleaner. Uh, you know, I don't have a family, but I'm more social, um, reading more, writing more. And it's, you know, I've kind of allowing myself that, okay, there's other spheres in my life and that's okay. Uh, so, and you know what, it might actually serve as a good distraction so that I'm not thinking about, oh, okay, well, 15% of me is completely inactive right now. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I'm, I'm definitely at that point mentally, uh, in regards to priorities. I think that the, the, this is where, you know, when we're not a professional runner is, you know, it's, we, we got to shift that way. Right. I think for me, it's more of like the balance of like, are you just being on your feet too much to actually recover from this in a timely manner or, you know, versus like, Hey, this is just stuff you got to do as a parent. And like, if that means that you're not going to come back as quickly, then that's just the way it goes. Yeah. And what's popping into my head is it's not an ideal situation, you know, from at least a recovery standpoint uh, is maximizing what you have is you may need to be on your feet a little bit more. Can you maybe squeeze out another half hour of sleep or something like that? You know, at least just kind of finding some gray area, not having all or nothing thinking in this aspect. Because at the end of the day, man, we can only do what we can do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and then for me, the, the biggest thing, the two, the biggest thing now that's, that's on my mind, the two things are just the general, like, all right, here we go again type feeling, which like, um, I don't think that's going to linger much longer, frankly. Um, the other one is, just, is, is the, is the guilt, like the, the, the partner guilt that comes with it of like, you know, and then also like, not even the guilt, like just like also like feeling again, not, and I don't think th- this is not a rational thought at all. Um, but like, like the feeling of like, all right, I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm hobbling around the house, right. I'm trying to get stuff done. And like, and then the feeling of like, all right, if I sit down, like, oh, my wife's going to judge me for not, for not helping out more. And like, again, th- that's not, that's not what necessarily is actually happening, but that's just what's happening in my head. Um, and then all of a sudden being now proactively angry about something that hasn't even happened. So it's like, you know, that, that, that feeling of, um, you know, catastrophizing a like hypothetical situation and then like being moody about it. Again, all of this is fiction at this point, but then all of a sudden my moods are real. And now I'm like going down this rabbit hole of like perceived slights that haven't even occurred. Okay. So you're, you're painting a pretty elaborate picture and the emotions definitely following with it. So we so we start going down that path. What would be a more rational way to manage your thinking in that situation? I guess I guess part of it is like, first of all, none of this has actually happened. This is just like your self dialogue here um, and understanding like what what's you know, what, what's what's actually happening versus what you're just like you're, um, you know. I don't even know the word for it, but like, you know, your, your thoughts are just like are running away from themselves. Um, and then also just the understanding of like, 
even if that is the case in the moment, and that does come to pass, where like me taking a break for a little bit does make my wife frustrated. Like that's not going to be like this like lasting thing. It's just going to be like, all right, like, yeah, she's a little frustrated. Well, I'm frustrated too. You know, I'm frustrated that I have to do this too. Like, okay, I see where you're coming from because I, I also feel the same way. So, okay. So here's a, you know, a potential tool you can use is kind of in frame of a question. And to be quite honest, I use this with myself from time to time is, is this a real story or a fake story? We just kind of just stop and delineate. Okay. Is this fact or fiction? And, uh, you know, if you're not hearing through your ears slights, it's not real. If you're not, you know, hearing criticism, it's not real. Right. I think I've quoted this on a previous podcast, but this famous author had this quote was like, you know, people have like, you know, have a million you know, I have like a, what is it? Like a million, I'm trying to remember exactly. Like they, people will have like a million issues or negative results, um, 90, you know, that, you know, 99% of which have never come to pass, you know, like that, that, that exact same feeling, which is like so funny. Cause like, I'm aware of that saying, I'm aware of that sort of thing, but like, it doesn't stop me from going down those, those same, those same lines. Well, yeah. Cause it's, there's literally a, here's, this is what's freaky about it. There's a gro- a neural groove in your brain where that pathway, it's easier for that information to travel down. Crazy, huh? Yeah, I need a, I need a detour sign. So, this is why it, it, it's so much work, you know, in therapy or, you know, anything like that. Or, you know, even with training is we're reprogramming our nervous system to respond a different way. And, you know, what, what happens is, you know, every time we talk about something or use a tool, we're using a different thought pathway. And so just think of it like this, like you've got, you know, this really large forest behind your house, right? And you, you would love a trail, you would love a pathway, but it's really, really thick. So what do we do? We just we, we get after that after it with the tools we have and little by little, every time we go out, we clear more brush, we clear more of a path. That's how uh, our thoughts are as well. Yeah. Yeah. That takes, it's a lot of work, man. I wish I, 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 I yeah, I wish I had different news, <laughs> but this is reality, but it's so worth doing because Every time we catch ourselves and are kinder and more rational, uh, you're chopping, you're you're pulling weeds, you're chopping, you know, some giant plant down or something like that in your mind. Yeah, for sure. All right. So, any, uh, how do you want to end this thing? Yeah, uh, is let's let's pull some weeds. Let's keep your brain clean right now, um, and you know, kind of when it comes back to the whole mastery thing is I think it's, let's just take this with the information you have a day at a time. And, you know, I know that's very cliche, but we want to think more and we don't want to think too far ahead with this, nor do we want to manufacture stories that aren't true. Got it. All right. That works.
And this takes nothing away from the effort you had. So I want you to put that uh, in your confidence bank and hang on to it. Okay. Deal. Awesome. We got it. Good work today. Thank you, Adrian. You're very welcome. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. Shout out to the sponsors, of course, Tracksmith, uh, Inside Tracker, and Prevenex. I wouldn't be doing this without you guys. So I appreciate them so much. Not only do I appreciate them, I use them. I wear, if you follow me on Instagram, you know this. I wear Tracksmith gear on every run, on every single run. I take a Prevenex Neurofi Plus shake every single day. Okay. And I use Inside Tracker every quarter to say and make sure that what um, is going on the inside of me is what's supposed to be happening. And I thank those guys so, so much. Of course, shout out to James and Adrian, of course, of course, of course, for all the wonderful things that they are doing to help me out and all the other runners in the world that they're helping out. So big things coming down. If you haven't been listening to the outros, you may not know this, but on Monday, November 23rd, that's right. Three days from now, three days from when I'm releasing this podcast, the registration will be officially open for the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit. And I cannot be more excited to bring this to you. If you are hoping that 2021 will be the best running year of your life, regardless of which races are coming, which races aren't coming, if you want to train and be the best athlete that you can be, then I suggest you sign up for the summit because I truly believe the 23 speakers who will be part of this summit will provide you with all of the knowledge and inspiration and motivation that will take you to where you want to go. And we're going to be talking about very specific topics that affect so many dedicated amateur runners. You're going to have lifetime access to the videos. I'm going to turn all the videos into podcasts. You'll have those as well. These are some of the best people in the running industry, and I cannot wait to fully launch this project because if you're like me and you want to become the best runner you can within the confines of your life, and we all have certain confines, whether that's family or job or whatever, don't let that hold you back. There's so much in you that you can do. There's no governor on what you can achieve. I firmly believe that we can all do so much more than we've done in the past. That's why I'm doing this project right here, Mastering 40. So join me in turning 2021 into the best running year of your life and check out the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit coming to you on Monday, November 23rd. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry.